it is good to be here. Man, come on, it's good to be back. Let's give a bigger clap for Jesus. Come on, can we give more for Jesus? Yep. If you're a, you're a guest and you're wondering what that's all about, uh, it's because I've actually disappeared for a little bit. I've been gone for the last 11 weeks. I've been on a sabbatical, first one of my life and my ministry. And uh, so many of you have been asking, you know, you can't wait to hear about the sabbatical and want me to tell you things about it. So instead of preaching today, I've got a slideshow. If you're just kidding, <laughs> been been waiting 12 weeks to preach, so I'm going to preach. So, uh, uh, yeah, look, I'll just say you two real quick things about the sabbatical. First of all, yes, it was very refreshing because, you know, uh, we all have roles in our lives that come with responsibilities, whether you are a husband or a wife, a mother, a father, a business owner, uh, whatever it is in your life, it comes with some responsibilities. And uh, if you get focused on the responsibilities, you start to think of it as a burden sometimes. So honestly, it was really good to lay down the responsibilities uh, that sometimes did feel like a burden. It was actually very nice to wake up on a weekend for the first time in decades and to just worship and not worry about anyone else worshiping. And that was refreshing. And it reminded me of how much of a privilege it is to do what I do. I think I have the greatest job in the world. I feel sorry for the rest of you, Um, but I love what I do. And uh, I'm so grateful to get back to it. Uh, The second thing that uh, I got from the sabbatical, I told you would happen. And I just want to prove this to you is that God would remind not only me, but he would remind you that this is his church and he knows what he's doing and he doesn't need me. He's doing some great things. And so actually, here's some cool stuff just to fill you in because I had to come back, pull out some stats and talk to some some staff members. I want to share with you with what God did here in this church while I was gone. First of all, with the senior pastor absent for 11 weeks, we averaged our all-time highest attendance. Come on. That means you guys are all like, oh, we miss Jimmy. Apparently not, just for the record, you know, I mean, like. God grew his church over the summer, uh, which also what that tells you is the weekend after Labor Day, if you come in here in the middle of the second song, somebody will be in your seat. Because if we've had our highest attendance while I was gone and you were on vacation, well, God has grown his church, right? Uh, The other thing we see happening, 35 new families joined Grace Life while I was gone. 38 people made Jesus their king, if we can celebrate for that one. Some of our leadership team and business folks got together and decided to add about 200 parking spaces to our parking lot to make room for what God is doing. And I think that's pretty cool because uh, all I know, we've got a big hole. I mean, that happened while I was gone. Maybe they're going to fill it in. I hope they're going to fill it in. Uh, here's another cool thing to prove God knows what he's doing when I'm not here. When I was here and leading, we bought property for our Garners Ferry campus. But we didn't actually need all of it. We didn't need a corner up front. So while I was gone, the leadership team sold that corner for more than we paid for all of it in the first place so we don't have free land for our Garners Ferry campus. Come on, y'all. I think God is good. And uh, so I think I'm going to be gone a little more often. So uh, let me tell you what we're doing here for the month of August. Uh, We've got a a series in a sort. It's not really a series. It's called Reflections. Uh, That's because we do series here a lot at Grace Life because we want to be able to connect what we're preaching either through a book of the Bible or or for a few weekends. So it gives us something to string it all together. Uh, Actually, this is not truly a series. We're just calling it Reflections because what we knew was that 
over the time preparing for sabbatical and while being on sabbatical that God would speak some things to me and I wanted to be able to share them with you. I already knew a couple of them before I left and I knew a couple more of them would show up. So the truth is, although it's called Reflections and although it looks like a series, I'm gonna give you four individual thoughts that I believe God has been sharing with me uh, that are not just for me, but for us as a church family over the next four weeks. So our month of August is gonna be looking at uh, these four different thoughts. Everybody good with that? And so today, um, we're gonna start with this phrase. One of the first of the four is, come up to me. And I wanna give you context for how God began to, to bring this to mind. Uh, last fall, I had a guest speaker, one of my best friends in ministry, and so what I tend to do when we have a guest speaker, someone who has experience at doing what I do and they're further down the road, and this person, uh, his name is Brian Allard, and some of you will remember him. He leads the uh, world praise movement, the America praise movement, but back in the day, it actually started a church and, and grown a very successful church. And so what I did is I took him out to dinner and I asked him a question. Let me just ask you this. Have any of you ever asked someone a question? And you had the three possible answers in mind and you were just wondering which one of these three answers they're gonna give you. You kind of asked someone for advice and you thought it would either be this, this, or that, right? You ever had it happen where what they said to you was so out of left field you were totally not prepared for what happened? By the way, that's about to happen to some of you this morning because some of you want something more from God but the answer I'm about to give you on how to get there is the last thing you wanna hear. But what happened is I, I turned to Brian after we were eating and I said, so here's the deal. If, if you were me, if you took my job tomorrow, what would you do? And I ask this question almost every time we have someone because I want to learn. I want us to be able to get better as a church and to be able to reach more people. It's very, very simple. We have a mission to do and we need to do it before we go to heaven. And uh, I expected him to, to give me some advice on a system we could change, a process that we could do differently, a staff member we could fire, a staff member we could hire, you know, whatever. It was whatever, you know, kind of advice on how to lead a church. But basically before I could even finish speaking, if you were me, what would you do? What is the first thing you would do? He immediately said a 40 day fast. That's not what I want to hear. See, I was looking for the kind of answer that I could give to Kent and Kent could go and do with some staff members. I was looking for something I could assign Eric to do or Laura to do while I went on a sabbatical and rested on a beach somewhere. A 40 day fast is, that's me, personal. Like I'm the one hungry. Like that's not what I wanted to hear from him. But as he talked to me about this idea of a 40 day fast, he explained why he thought it was so important. He said, actually, Jimmy, Grace Life is in one of the best places I've ever seen. He said, this church is really set to do something amazing. You've got a great facility. You've got a great team. You don't need to fire any of them. You've got great systems. Everything is working. People are getting saved. Families are joining the church. Marriages are getting healed. I mean, like things are happening. He said, you just need a spark from heaven. And what he was talking about was the picture we get from Elijah, if you know the story, if not, just real quickly. What had Elijah was doing is he set up an altar uh, to, to worship God, and in order to show all of the false prophets around him that our God is the one true God, he didn't get to use a match. He had to call fire down from heaven. And so he, he set up this altar, he was prepared, and then he asked God to send a spark from heaven. And Brian said, look, you, you're, you're ready, man. You just need God to do something from another level. You've done it all in the practical realm. And that kind of left me in obviously a pretty challenging situation because if we've done all the hard work we can do and now we just need God to show up, I guess I actually 
should take him up on his advice. Now, the truth is, I just want to go ahead and tell you, as I'm speaking today, I'm not necessarily encouraging anyone to do a 40-day fast. I mean, Jesus did one, and apparently only one, right? You know what I mean? I mean, like, this is a big deal. Um, I think if you ever do one, it might be a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity or, or, or whatever God's calling you to. And so please don't think that that's what I'm actually suggesting for you today. But I will tell you at that point that I had to stop and think, am I going to take his advice? I took a couple of weeks and prayed about it and said, yeah. Yeah, I think that's what God's calling me to do. And then actually, I took about two months to get everything ready. I started by looking at my calendar, trying to figure out where you can conveniently fast for 40 days. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, you can't. If any of you decide to take that step, there is no 40-day window in your life that you don't want to have dinner with that new family to the church, or you don't want to get together with this person and have this conversation, or you don't want to go on that weekend trip, or you don't have that conference in Texas where they have barbecue. Like, you know what I'm saying? I mean, come on, like, you just, there is no convenient time. And so at some point, you just say, okay, God, I'm going to do this. Because one of the things that I was asking God for, I was asking God three things every day during this 40-day fast. And one of them was really one of the main reasons I said yes to it. And that's because I want personally a new encounter, a new experience of some sort with God. And, and I've mentioned that before over the last year. I, I turned 50 about the same time that my friend suggested I do this 40-day fast. And, and I've had a great 49 years before that and been walking with God the majority of it. And, and I've had some great experiences, but I'm just like, God, come on, I want, I want a new story like a, a crazy kind of story, like show up in the seat beside me while I'm driving story, you know, those kinds of things. And so I started a 40-day fast at the beginning of this year and uh, lost a lot of weight. But then I went on sabbatical. And I looked just like I did in January. So there you go, everybody. So that leads us to this whole idea, though, of God saying, come up to me. If you've got your Bibles, if you would, turn with me to Exodus 24, verse 12. And I, I'm going to show you where this whole idea of seeking God comes from. So God had used Moses to set the people of God free from Egypt. He was leading them into the promised land. God had just spoken the Ten Commandments from heaven. There was a great fire show and everything. I mean, it was an incredible encounter. I really wish I could go back in time and see it. And then God turned to Moses. Here's what he said. The Lord said to Moses, Come up to me. Come up to me on the mountain and wait there. We're going to talk about both parts of that here today. And the reason it was real clear, he told him, I want to give you these tablets of stone with the law and the commandment, the things that I spoke from heaven. I want to give them to you written for their instruction. And so then Moses did. So Moses rose with his assistant Joshua and Moses went up into the mountain of God. And then he said to the elders, wait here for us until we return to you. And behold, Aaron and Hur are with you. Whoever has a dispute, let him go to them. Now, those last two verses seemed incredibly tedious and pointless for me to read to you. And, and in a minute, I'm going to show you why I didn't skip them, though. They're actually pretty important. But let's go on right now because we've got Moses going up to God. So then Moses went up on the mountain and the cloud covered the mountain. The glory of the Lord dwelt on Mount Sinai and the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day, he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. A week. Think about that. Moses went part of the way up the mountain and then did nothing for an entire week. Didn't even hear from God for an entire week before they moved on to the next step. Now the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on top of the mountain in the sight of the people of Israel. 
And so then after that week, Moses entered the cloud and went up on the mountain and Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. Another passage in scripture explains that he was fasting during that time and it ended or begins now with the Lord said to Moses. And I'm not going to share with you the next 10 chapters and, and all that, that God said to Moses at that point. But here's what's really important. We need to ask, what if Moses had not taken this invitation? Come up to me. What if Moses had done what would have been, you know, logically legitimate to say, well, you know, God, I've got like a whole lot of people down here you gave me to take care of. They've got all kinds of problems. I got to solve some of those problems. And, you know, I mean, I already heard what you got to say, or if you want me to, I can just run up there and grab the tablets real quick. I don't know, you know, why I've got to come up and wait and you know, all that. Kind of... But Moses actually took the invitation. And in that time, when it says the Lord said to Moses and all the stuff I'm not reading to you, what God gave to Moses was the instruction on how his people could approach him, how his people could honor him, how his people could know him, how his people could worship him. And he got all of the instructions to help people get closer to God that they would follow for thousands of years until the time of Jesus. What if Moses had not gone up? They would have still been sitting down in the desert going, I don't know, who is this God? And the point that I am trying to make to you is, what if you never go up? What if you never take time for yourself to go up and meet with God? You know, maybe God's got some instruction for you for your life. Maybe God's got a vision for you, your family, for your marriage. Maybe God's got an answer to a question. Maybe he's got something to reveal to you about your destiny. And maybe he's just waiting for you to come up to him to get that next level. Matter of fact, I'll tell you, my experience as a pastor is I see people a whole lot that are simply wandering and confused because they have never taken time to come up to God. So here's what I believe. And I've been preparing, actually, I knew that I would preach this concept of a message. The idea of come up to me is the first of the four phrases uh, ever since the beginning of this year. Because as I began to do the 40-day fast, I felt God speak to me that I was only going first. Now, again, I don't believe everybody here needs to do 40 days, but I do believe as a church family, God is calling us to come up to him. Because what we need to realize is when Moses went up to God, he had an experience that all the people on the ground never had. Are y'all with me? And I believe that God is calling us as a church family to get something different from God, to be a little different from what we see in the world. I believe God is giving us an invitation to have an experience with God that all the people who stay on the ground don't get to have. And so that's what I'm here hopefully trying to, to share with you today. I believe it's actually a prophetic message for us as a church. It's not just a, hey, would you think about, but I believe it's God calling us, inviting us, come up to me. You know, the truth is the idea of setting aside a time to seek God like prayer and fasting, it's really good to have in your life in general. And it's something that we encourage here at Grace Life. It's something we actually choose to do as a church. We do a week twice a year, one in January, one in August. And the idea comes out of Joel 1, uh, verse 14. I'll just show you this. You don't have to turn there. But it, it encourages the leaders, declare a holy fast and call a sacred assembly. Summon the elders and all who live in the land in the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. Like I said, we choose to do this twice a year. And when we do this, often we are asking God to meet a particular need in our lives. Matter of fact, for those of you that are here in the building, you came in, you had to move this card out of the way. Before you leave, I want to encourage you, fill out the other side of this with your prayer request, what you need to see God do in your life. For those of you online, uh, I believe there's a, a link or something for you to do one online. 
But here's the point to that. Last week, if you were here, my friend Kendrick shared a phrase. He had no idea what I was preaching. We didn't communicate during the sabbatical. I just, I, I invited all the guest speakers before I left and, and gave them as much instruction as they were gonna get. He had no idea what I would be doing. And I had not talked to him and he shared this phrase that I was going to preach. He said, lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes. And he quoted Psalm 121. Let me show it to you. It says, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My hope comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. You see, if we don't lift up our eyes, what's happening is our eyes are focused on everything that's around us. And, and we're constantly looking at the problems in our finances and the problems in our family and the problems in our marriage and the problems in politics and the problems in government and the problems with my job and the problems in whatever. And, and, and that's all we can see. And every now and then we do need to take a time like we're doing this week where we come to God and say, God, I really need your help with this because where does my help come from? Nowhere else but my God. So God, I've got a problem with my marriage. I've got a problem with my family and I do need to fast and pray for that. But when we do these weeks of prayer and fasting, I'm always trying to nudge us in a direction. We don't always call it a theme, but I'm trying to nudge us in a direction that I believe God has put on our heart as leaders for this house for that time. And this time I believe very specifically that God wants us to come after him, to lift up our eyes. And so I do want to give you freedom. Don't feel bad for filling out this card. Okay, because that's where our help comes from. Whatever it is you need God to do in your life, put it on here. We're gonna pray with you. We're gonna pray for you every single time. And that's great for you to say, God, I need you to do something here. And now that I've given that to you, now I'm gonna lift up my eyes because what I really need is you. I believe God has something for us that we don't even know to write on that card. God is calling us to come up to him. That leads us to the second part of that. The Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and wait. Anybody like waiting in lines? Anybody like waiting anywhere, anytime for anything? I didn't think so. You know, it's really important though for us to learn a little something from Moses here because he did give us a beautiful example. I told you a minute ago, there was a reason that I read those seemingly unnecessary verses. And he said to the elders, wait here for us until we return to you and behold Aaron and her with you. Whoever has a dispute, let him go to them. If you're a married couple with children and you hire a babysitter and you go out on a date, you don't intend to be gone very long, so your instructions are pretty simple. Keep them alive, feed them, put them to bed. You don't give them the passwords to your bank account numbers in case you never come back. You don't give them a copy of the will. You don't tell them, you know, I mean, you don't do all of that because you don't intend to be gone very long. You don't share all of the responsibilities and hand them off. But Moses did. You see, what Moses showed us is that he was prepared to wait as long as it took because after all, he's already had a few experiences with God, the burning bush and a whole couple of other things. So he's already figured out God does what God wants on God's terms. So when God says, come up to me and wait, I can just imagine Moses goes, oh, okay. But he did, he said, okay, because he did something else. He took his assistant Joshua with him and God didn't tell him to. And so we don't know how far Joshua went, but what we do know is that Moses was prepared. I may need something or I may just send a message or, or, or a message may need to come to me, whatever. So I've got to be prepared to wait a while. I'm gonna need an assistant. And then I'm gonna turn around and talk to all of the leaders and all of the things that are responsibilities for me, I'm officially giving them away because I need to be able to sit down and meet with God and not be worried about what is happening down on the ground. And I think that's what God is calling us to. It's gonna be different for you, I don't know what it is. It may be three day fast, it may be a one day fast that's just really intense, it may be a, whatever. I think God is calling us to a time where we are 
going to set aside normal distractions. We're going to make sure that they are taken care of in a way that we can take some time and hear from God and not worry about some things. I think we're going to make sure that we are prepared to simply go and say, okay, God, I'm here and not be concerned about how long. You know, the, the truth is we, we want everything to come quickly, don't we? We get our coffee in the morning, we sit down and we tell God, okay, I got three minutes, then I got to get in the car. Come on, let's go. We expect God to show up within three minutes or at least before our coffee is cold. I mean, come on, if, if the coffee gets cold and God hadn't shown up, we're just going on about our way. We want answers to prayer right there on the spot. We want everything to be done in that order. Did you notice Moses had to wait an entire week before God even spoke? We're getting ready to do a week of prayer and fasting. And what's so funny is every time we do this, you guys are really like bubbly and happy on Monday and you're chipper on Tuesday and by Wednesday, some of you are dragging. Oh, God's not moving. I mean, like you want an angelic appearance by lunch on Tuesday. I think God is saying, come up to me and wait. Look, expectation is really good, except when we set a time frame and an expectation on God to do it exactly in a certain time and exactly in a certain way. God tends to do better things on his own time. So with that being said, I think every one of you would agree. That's great, Jimmy. We should all do that at point. Everybody should seek more of God. We, we should want to do that. And uh, I know that some of you will still struggle to do it. So I thought the best thing that I can really do uh, today is to really help us examine why do we think it's a great idea to get more from God, but then so few of us actually take the step to do that. And so here are uh, some of the key reasons I've seen as a pastor as, as well as the few that I, I believe uh, God has spoken as us preparing the message. And the first one is that we don't need to in our minds. We think we don't need to do this. And what I mean by that is there's an incredible truth of our faith that sometimes is misappropriated. And it's the words, it's all by grace. And you need to understand the idea that we can't earn this. We can't do this. It's not our own works. And when what we're talking about is what we see like in Ephesians 2, 8 that says that by grace you've been saved. It's not your own doing. It's a gift of God. It's not a result of your works. And so we tend to walk around and go, man, this is all by grace. It's the grace of God. And I say to you, amen. It is the grace of God when it comes to your salvation. It is the grace of God when it comes to your forgiveness. It is the grace of God that makes you reconciled with God. You didn't die on the cross. You didn't want to die on the cross. You didn't want to turn towards God. You didn't do it. God did that in you. He put his spirit in you. Jesus died for you. It is all by the grace of God. But what tends to happen is then we think that everything is by the grace of God so that our responses, our obedience, and our pursuit of God doesn't even matter. Now, here's the reality. Our God is so good. He has blessed you way beyond salvation. You didn't ask for it and you didn't earn that either. How many of you in here at least one time, raise your hand if at least one time in your life, God blessed you out of the blue and you were just like, oh my gosh, I didn't even ask for that. That's so amazing. God, you're so good. Oh, wow. That's incredible. Yeah, like one of those times. And so we get the idea. Well, you know, God's just going to do what God's going to do. And I'm just going to sit back and how I live is totally irrelevant. That's where we misunderstand. Our responses to God matters. Our obedience to God matters. Our pursuit of God matters because although he's incredibly good and although he blesses just for the fun of it, there are particular blessings that you gotta go up the mountain to experience. There are particular experiences that you won't have if you don't set aside the day-to-day -day and the normal routine and the normal responsibilities to come up and wait. 
there are particular things that God has for us. And it depends upon our pursuit. That's why James 4.8 explains this better than anything else. It's a very simple verse. We quote it a lot. I don't know if you've ever thought about kind of the strangeness of it. But it says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. What you have to realize is God is not distant. How can God draw near when his spirit lives inside of you? If you're a believer, his spirit dwells inside of you and God is everywhere. So we get the concept that this is some kind of physical. It's not a physical thing. And so if he's not physically distant, what does it mean to draw near to someone who is not far, but is actually right there, like no space, like dwells inside of you? What he's talking about is a different experience, a different revelation, a different depth of relationship. If we take some time to set aside some things and to draw near to God, we're going to experience something from God that is, well, it's not physically closer, but it's relationally closer. It's experientially closer. The second one, I'm going to do real fast because it's, it's really easy, it's really practical, and you don't want to hear it. But sometimes we just love things too much to fast. There's just some things where you, you hear the pastor talk about fasting, and you're like, oh, no, not me. I mean, look, the truth is none of us want to lose sleep to get up and come early in the mornings to be here in this building 6.30 every day. Um, some of you, if you're normally going to work or those of us that aren't normally going to work, we're like, I, I don't want to get up that early. Most of us don't want to give up food or we don't want to give up TV or whatever it is for you. We just love some things too much. And we want more of God as long as it doesn't mean less of those things. Look, real simple. It's time to be honest with yourself. If there are things in this world that you love too much to give up to get closer to God, that is an idol. And I promise you, it is at the center of every problem in your soul. And the quicker you fast it and get closer to God, the better off your life's gonna be. I just saved you hours of counseling and hundreds if not thousands of dollars. Whatever you don't wanna fast, there you go. All right, moving on, number three is we have no desire. You know, sometimes you hear a message like this, and I know some of you are in, in that place right now where, you, you, yeah, the idea come up to God and your response is, meh. And you're not necessarily disrespectful in it. You just, like, there's just no fire there. And it might be a couple of different reasons you have no desire. The first one is you might not be a believer. And if you're not a believer at all, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, if you've never given your life to God, then it's, it's gonna make a lot of sense. You don't wanna pursue him. And if that's the case, here's what I would encourage you this week or sometime soon is to come up to God to say, hey, God, why don't you prove you're there? Look, I, I, I would love to know you're real. I'd love to meet with you. Would, you. would you reveal yourself to me? Then there are some people who have no desire. You are believers, but you, you kind of only went a little distance in your believing, so to speak. Meaning you got to the point, you're like, okay, Jesus died for my sins, I'm forgiven, I'm not going to hell, I'll go to church and return and that's good. But there is so much more. I'm really glad that you know Jesus died for your sins, you've asked him to save you and you're not going to hell. Hell is not gonna be fun, I promise you. I won't be there to help you, I won't be your tour guide, cause I'm going somewhere else. You're gonna, it, it's really good that you don't go there. But in between now and your death, God has a relationship with you that will blow your mind. If you start to get something with him other than go to a room once a week and sit and listen. So I wanna encourage you if that's where you are, maybe you have no desire to say, you know what, here's what I'm gonna do, God. I'm gonna take some time and come up to you to find out if you've got more for me. 
Because honestly, I'm a little bored. I'm looking forward to heaven, not hell. But other than that, you know, it's a little dry. Would you meet me? Then I think the last reason sometimes we don't have a desire is we've just been disillusioned or disappointed. Maybe we tried to pursue God and it didn't work out quite like you wanted. You didn't get the answer you were looking for on the time frame you were looking for. Maybe you've just had a bad experience with church. Maybe you grew up in a religious situation where you were forced to fast. I mean, all you knew was Cocoa Puffs and you couldn't even have them. And it was like, what's going on? You know, you didn't, I don't know your story, but I believe if you've been disillusioned or disappointed and that's the reason you have no desire, I believe God says, do you come up to me because I want to heal you? I want to restore your hope and your faith. And I want to touch you there. The last reason that sometimes we don't respond to the desire of coming up to God or the, the invitation to come up to God is that we have little expectation. We remember and we say, well, nothing happened when we think of that time. Nothing happened. And so we kind of give up. I think it's our impatience or our expectations that get a little out of line, as we've already mentioned. So maybe to help you, I hope to help you, I decided I'd share a little of my own thoughts during my 40-day fast and how I felt. So this is out of my journal. On day 23 of 40, that's over halfway, I wrote, being on the backside of this fast, I don't feel as excited. I mean, I, I prepared over two months to get ready for this thing. And I honestly, I thought I'd have an angelic appearance by like day 10. I was over halfway through it and I didn't think anything had really happened. I went on to write, maybe I thought I'd have experienced more or seen more spiritually, question mark. Wasn't even sure. I was thinking, man, 17 days to go. I'm not even having fun. 19 days after I finished my fast, this is what I wrote in my journal. I was on a prayer and planning retreat at, retreat at Fripp Island, something I try to do a couple times a year. Been blessed with the opportunity to, to go down there and, and stay in a friend's house. And I'll tell you, it's a great place. If you've never been there, it's, in my opinion, kind of a, it's a nature sanctuary, but I think it's even a spiritual sanctuary. And uh, much of what we do here at Grace Life comes out of my prayer times on Fripp Island. So. Maybe you should go someday. But anyway, I wrote, walking on the beach after arrival yesterday, was talking with God about the results of the 40-day fast, which just for the record was a little weird, you know, because I'm walking on the beach like I am now with a journal in my hand and a pen. Everybody else is in swimsuits and little floaties and playing in the water. And, and here's this dude, looks like he's like taking notes or planning a city development or something. I mean, it was weird, but anyway, so I'm writing in my journal because I don't really care what everybody else thinks, right? You know, it says I was uh, talking with God about the results of the 40 day fast, particularly the encounter with him that I was seeking. And I felt strongly his response. Your fast conceived something and you are pregnant, but it is not yet time to give birth. You see, sometimes we have sought God and we didn't see something born that we thought should happen the truth is I had three things as I told you I've prayed for every single day I think I have begun to see one of them begun 
to be born. The other two, I'm still waiting. I can't promise you that if you decide to set aside a time of three days or a week like we're about to do or something else, I cannot promise you that you're going to see what you are asking God for or what God has for you. I can't promise you're gonna see it born in that time period. You most likely won't. But I can promise you based on what I believe about our God and what I see every time in scripture someone seeks God, it'll be conceived. In the heavenly realm, something will begin. And if we just hold on to God at the right time, this will give birth. So I wanna leave you with a thought that inspired me for my 40 day fast that finally made me say, okay, I'm gonna do it. And again, I'm not trying to challenge anyone here to a 40 day fast. I did not make this clear enough at the first time I preached this on Thursday. I had a lot of people talking to me over the weekend about how to do a 40 day fast. I spent a lot of time saying, no, 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 no. Whatever your number, whatever God is calling you to. Here was my motivation. I think it can help you. How many of you want less from God? Raise your hand if you are praying smaller prayers. Raise your hand if you have smaller dreams and hopes. Raise your hand if you have smaller problems, you need a smaller God to solve it. You know, I was willing to bet money. I wouldn't get a hand all weekend. I bet I'm gonna hold true on this one. As my friend suggested I do a 40 day fast, it occurred to me. This is what I wrote in my journal. I'm doing the biggest things I've ever done. I'm praying the biggest prayers I've ever prayed. I'm wanting God to move in a bigger way in my life than ever before. I should probably do the biggest fast I've ever done. Again, not works, not legalism. I don't know how you wanna go about it, but I'd encourage you to come up to God in whatever way he speaks to you. Look, here's the deal, we are kicking off our week of prayer and fasting. I did plan this message to coincide with that because it could be a great opportunity for some of you to walk into this for the week. But I, I need you to know that what I believe God is calling us to do is, is different from and bigger than this one week. So God may call you to more than a week that you may begin with us starting today, tomorrow. God may be calling you to do something different that you take a little bit of time prepare for. I don't know what God's gonna call you to, but I do believe as a church, God is calling us to come up to him and to wait. And the only question is, will you take the invitation? Can I pray for us? God, we thank you that you are such a good, loving God. You have so much grace that brings so many blessings into our lives. You are so merciful, so we get blessings when we deserved punishments. God, we thank you that out of your love for us that you are constantly bringing things into our lives. And yet we know it is still a truth that there is a time for us to set aside things of this world and to see you differently, to come after you, to pursue you, to chase you. So God, my heart, my hope, my prayer for every person hearing this message right now is that you will touch us and you will draw us. The truth is it's gotta be a work of your spirit. You are the one that invited Moses. And I pray right now that the words I've spoken, they'll be illuminated by your spirit. They'll be brought to life and we will be a people who come after you in a new way. Gotta pray for every person listening to this to have 
an encounter or an experience, a word from you, an instruction, a vision, a dream, whatever it is for each of them. I pray that they'll get something from you that they would not have gotten if they stayed down on the ground. We thank you. If you just stay in a place of prayer, I wanna speak to those of you that have yet to make Jesus your king. As Kent explained during communion, Jesus, his death on the cross, has paid for our sins, making us right with God, reconciling us with him. Because of that, we're forgiven and we have eternal life with him. We call it the free gift of salvation. As Kent also pointed out, it changes our life here on earth because it is what saves us from everything around us day by day. And so if you have never received this free gift, if you've never made the exchange of the life you've been living for the one he has for you, I wanna help you do that right now, wherever you are, would you simply pray and say something like this to yourself and to God? Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died for me. And so now I choose to live for you. I thank you that you love me. I thank you that I'm forgiven. In my simple prayer today, would you fill me with your spirit and give me a life of great meaning in your kingdom? Amen. Would you all help me celebrate with them, everybody?